Hello, everybody, and welcome to Frankenstein's podcast, where it's all about the monster. We are a creature feature podcast about monsters and why we love them. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Praska, and with me, as always, is... Your other host, Khalid Hussein. What's up? Not much, buddy. Oh, man. It, uh, I, I feel like we say this more and more lately, but it's been a minute. It's been it's been a few minutes, Khalid. <laughs> yes, yes, to be exact. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we... um. We we missed our deadline last. We're, we're we're late. This is like a three week three weeks since our last episode. So we're sorry, folks. We're a little behind schedule. Apologies, as as will happen from time to time. Life got in the way. It, it did, yeah. And and and, and Khalid, I will say, um, I, I mentioned this pri- in the prior pad- podcast that I was moving houses, and and I think that maybe uh, um, folks with with uh, with kids might be might be aware of this, but. Uh, moving with uh, two small children is difficult. So one can imagine if you're childless like yeah. me, uh, it's it's uh, it still paints a picture just what you were going through with all that. Yeah, no, I mean I moved I moved plenty of times before, and I'm always like, eh, it's not too bad, but you know, it, it, it children put a brand new spin on it. Truly, truly, what would you say is like the biggest challenge moving with kids? Uh probably like figuring out what to do with them when you're trying to pack and unpack. Cause they're, I mean, I know Khalid, I know you're not really, you don't always hang out with toddlers, but if you have hung out with toddlers, you might be aware that they're not always the most helpful <laughs> with tasks. Are you kidding me? So like, yeah, I no, I mean, I mean, full on, they try. I'll, I'll give, I mean, I'll get, she, she tries sometimes and it's awesome. And I love to encourage that, but there are times when it's like, okay, not 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 super helpful here you're you're more so making a big mess you know in, instead of putting stuff in boxes but you know she tries i'll give her that but it was hard yeah that was hard um i expected more from the three-year-old so this is this is all surprising to hear yeah and then the baby and then the, and the baby the six-month-old like can't can't i mean wouldn't even lift a box Okay, well, honestly, just stop right there because these are like my little niece and nephew and like, I just, I can't, I can't. I am getting just very disappointed hearing this. I thought we'd raise them better, Joe. Well, you know what? I mean, we'll have to work harder on that one. (sighs) Yeah, all right. That's my next project next time I'm in town. I'm going to get them to just like, maybe just like for starters, just coordinate a move or two for neighbors. Probably. I mean, yeah. Hopefully though, we never have to do it again. So maybe it just, maybe we just move on crossing my fingers for you buddy yeah yeah how have you, how have you been good oh my god it's been it's been a busier than usual month for me uh on top of the regular work i went to seattle for a film festival for my short film look mira um was received pretty well that was awesome got to meet a bunch of really cool and talented young filmmakers and it just really reinvigorated me for what i came out here for you know the the my day job pays the bills and it's still in production, but you know, I came out here with a plan and seeing all these like really driven folks doing their thing, uh, instilled a new, newfound, uh, energy in me. So I'm, I'm, I'm hitting the, hitting the ground strong this year. I think I'm going to try and make some more stuff and, uh, really just, you know, follow through on the, on the goals I set for myself. Sorry, Khalid. Could you repeat the the title of that film that's taking the uh, the film festival circuit by storm? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's called Look Mira, uh, and it's actually on uh, No Budge now. Uh, I'll get you the link so you can post it. But um, yeah, you oh, can watch it. We will definitely it on... post it, Khalid. 
yeah, you can watch it on the No Budge YouTube page as well as their website. There's a bunch of really cool uh, short films from young filmmakers on there, and you can count ours among them now. Yeah, no, I've watched it. It's great. It's really good, folks. Uh, click on the link in the show notes and definitely give this one a watch. Please, yeah. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I'm. I'm that's exciting to hear. I'm, I'm excited to see uh, see what comes next from you and your people. Well, me and my people are hard at work, so trust that it'll be sooner <laughs> rather than later. Yeah. Any updates from the Khalid uh, Home and Garden Network? Um, we got we finally got matching dining chairs, so that's that's a that's a big move. That's for huge. Me. That's huge. Yeah, yeah. Feel good about that. I mean, it's nothing special. It's just IKEA chairs, but you know, just uh, we we had chairs that the original uh, people that lived here had left behind, and it worked for a while, but they were kind of rickety and then breaking, and eventually it just kind of became this like ramshackle. Like, here's a chair. Here's another chair. And so we were just like, enough's enough. When people come here, they need to see a uniform set of chairs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. I, I think that sometimes. Yeah. Exactly. And then um, <laughs> on top of that, my buddy, uh, another buddy of mine named Joe, uh, he is moving to New York. So he just gave me a bunch of stuff. So now I have a, I have a bike. Um, I got a really cool desk from him and a really cool record player and sound system. So yeah, no, the home and garden, uh, branch of my life is definitely blooming. Ooh, good word choice there. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad to check in there. It's, it's becoming a staple of this, this show, I think, where we just <laughs> learn how little bits of uh, movement in your adult process are, are going. So Yeah, yeah. I'm adulting yeah. piecemeal. So it's, uh, yeah. it's happening. It's coming along. Um, uh, I got a question for you, Khalid. Hit me. Why is the moon so grumpy? <sighs> Why, Joe? Just going through a phase. Mm, okay. Not your worst, <laughs> not your best. Um, why did the restaurant on the moon get such bad reviews? Oh, so there's more of these. Um, okay. Why, Joe? There's just no atmosphere. Mm, okay. That one really hit me in my uh, anger anger spot. Really hit that button that you're always going for. What What, what kind of books does the moon like to read? Can you just tell me how many of these I have left so I can brace myself? Uh, ask me the question again. I already forgot. What kind of books does the moon like to read? What kind, Joe? Comet books. That's okay. That did it. That one really just, I don't know if I'm going to recover from that one. Well, you could say that that last joke eclipsed all the others. I wouldn't personally. You ready to tell the listeners about a show we're all over the moon about? Joe, do you need a minute like to get this out of your system? Because we can just pause the recording and just like you can just rail gun off whatever else you have. Oh, that was it. That was it. I'm really happy about it, though. Yeah, you feel you see you sound very self-satisfied. I can't see your face. And yet I know it's the smuggest face. It is very smug and I'm very satisfied. OK, well, I'm happy for you, even if I'm not happy having endured. <clears throat> OK, so. Uh, the, the, uh, the thing we're talking about today is the Disney plus series, uh, moon Knight. Um, it was, uh, it came out in March, 2022 and I've got a synopsis from our homeboy Google really short, kind of says nothing. Uh, <laughs> 
Stephen Grant and mercenary Mark Spector investigate the mysteries of the Egyptian gods from inside the same body. That's it. What a monster. They're creatures of the abstract that live off potential energy. It's alive! Wow, damn, that says very little. This is very little. Yeah, I'm glad that they at least like let you know that much of it. It's worded weirdly, like from the from inside the same body. Like, yeah, it sounds it's more an odd like, way to put it. Yeah, I don't know what it's. It's like that. Like, there's something supernatural, like of them sharing a body where it's real. It's not necessarily that. That's not supernatural. No, it's not. It's if anything, that's like the most like semi grounded part of it. Although I guess we'll get into it, but like I don't necessarily know how accurately they represent uh, DID, dissociative identity disorder. But I have notes on that. We'll definitely get on it. Yeah. So like even within that, like it is still the most like realistic part of it. So it feels weird how they're putting yeah. it in like this like matrixy way. Yeah, it's weird. So I think I, I mean, I guess we should just like kind of back up. And so like it's so for listeners, I'm sure many everyone already knows part Moon Knight's part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the MCU. It's a Marvel property. Uh, it's based on a comic book character, of course. Uh, but the creators are writer uh, Doug, I believe, Mensch is how it's pronounced, and uh, artist Don Perlin. Um, and the character actually first appeared in 1975 in a comic called Werewolf by Night, which I think Werewolf by Night is actually being adapted to a D plus a special or show coming up soon too. Um, so that's kind of cool. But uh, in the comics, uh, the, I'd say the, the DID dissociative identity disorder is not represented is represented well, depending on who the writer is. Um, but I think that there's, there was years where it was just always called schizophrenia because that was like this general pop culture, like, Oh, split personality, schizophrenia, you know, for so many years. Um, but it's, it's, it's more so now they're kind of putting a better, I'd say better, uh, effort into, into, uh, recognizing what's actually, what actually they're writing about so uh we'll talk about that too but uh that brings us to the show which is what was it eight episodes khalid uh six six episodes yeah it's a six episode li- limited series uh at this point i think there's no plans for a season two is that right uh yeah currently there isn't but we'll get into it they definitely set it up that there needs to be like a season two or a movie or something just based on where yeah. they left things i mean it's marvel like if it's if it's a hit there's no way they're gonna just like walk away from it Right. So, uh, what were your, what's initial thoughts? what do you think of the series? Um, okay. So overall I liked it, you know, um, I think that the Disney plus, uh, Marvel experiment has been uneven to put it kindly. Um, I would say that like the like out and out successes for me would have to be WandaVision, Loki, and then, we're going to we're like I keep saying we're going to get into it but like with Moon Knight I would say I would count that in the success like uh section of things but I don't know there's something just very like you you just see them adjusting so much more with this series stuff versus the movies which by now they have like 20 plus so like they kind of have it down pat what what they're going to do with the movies and it's just it's very interesting to see them uh figure out what like what what they can and can't do in a series versus a movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I guess just uh, short answer. I liked it. Uh, long answer. Uh, I do think that there is something to be said about what if this was just a movie, would it have been better? Uh, my 
answer personally probably would have been better as a movie i think that uh this could have benefited from tighter writing and focusing more on the characters that we really care about in the show that maybe feel like they got sidelined at times in favor of uh building out a series versus just working on the story they had at hand what about you uh, i see your point yeah i i uh i would definitely count this in the success uh category as well i i really like this one a lot um this might be my favorite of the the shows i think at this point i don't really? i don't know it's hard hard to say yeah but uh um I, I i felt like i feel like when you say they're uneven i think all of the shows are a little uneven in terms of like s- many of them start really strong and kind of have an ending that's a little bit more questionable like I'd say that WandaVision might be my objective favorite so far, but I still think the ending was pretty traditional in terms of like an MCU fight, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of frustrating a little bit, even though I still like the show very much overall. Um, But I felt like this one for me was the most, I was getting the most consistent enjoyment out of it. And at the very end, like I really, really enjoyed the finale. I liked the Kaiju battle at the end. I thought that was super sweet. Um, and so I, I thought it was an, it was a different kind of ending. I think that the story was, was actually pretty unique in its own right. It felt the most removed from the greater universe. And I kind of felt like that served it well. Um, and I, the, I think the mythology was great. I liked I mean, the reason we're bringing it on the on the podcast, I like the the creature designs and the and like the god designs. All that stuff was really interesting, and I kind of liked that. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about this too, but like the action scenes were not necessarily always there. Like I kind of liked that because uh, for someone like who watches lots of comic book movies, sometimes fight scenes get boring to me at this point. Like it's, it's almost blasphemy to say, but sometimes I'm like, sometimes I kind of bored with it. And so like the one episode where he kept just flashing and, and blacking out when he would do badass fight scenes, I'm like, okay, fine. That's funny. The reactions are funny to me. I'm enjoying that more than I probably would have enjoyed the fight. You know? See, I really liked that in the pilot. I really liked it when they did it in the premiere. Um, yeah. Because one, it was, it narratively made sense. You know, um, we're following Steven who, um, just to kind of give like a quick overview if for whatever reason you haven't seen the show, but you're listening to this, um, Steven is one of, as of, at least, uh, for the majority of the series that we know, one of two personalities occupying the same body. So Steven grants the first one we meet and he suffers from what he thinks is sleepwalking. So he chains himself up to a bed and he's a mild mannered, uh, capital M mild, uh, mild mannered, mm-hmm. uh, British guy that works at a museum that is focused on Egyptian gods and, uh, Egyptian history in general. And uh, he suffers from blackouts at times. And when he uh, at one point goes to bed, he wakes up in some like very obscure like Swiss or something like town. And he has no idea how he got there. And when he is pursued by these armed men for reasons unbeknownst to him or us, uh, he at repeated times gets like cornered by them. And then he blacks out and he wakes up and it's just like bloody corpses everywhere just pure wreckage and it, I, I agree like that stuff was really cool especially at first when like you don't really know what's going on um and so yeah like i think i'm in the same boat with you where i was uh kind of fatigued over the like superhero well choreographed fight sequences and this is like a nice way to kind of engage you without necessarily like wearing you down mm-hmm. um yeah yeah, no, I, I I agree. I thought that was I thought that was super fun. Um, 
I'm with you though on I think that the writing probably could have been tighter in and maybe in, as a movie this might have been stronger. But uh, I I wonder if it were to be a movie if it I wonder how much freedom it would have had to because it got pretty weird. You know what I mean? Like I wonder if it'd been as weird. I mean, I think it could have still been weird. I mean, that also just comes down to like, it, it would have been the same creative team. And are we talking about a completely right, different thinking, story? Yeah. You know, uh, I know even within this show, um, initially they were thinking of doing like, so in episode four, uh, there becomes a point when you don't know if everything you've seen up until then is real or if it's been like the delusions of Mark Spector, who's the actual like, initial personality in the body. I don't want to say the owner of the body because that just gets weird. Um, but like the initial personality in the body, you find him in a mental asylum and Ethan Hawke, who plays Arthur Harrow, who's the villain for the series, is just his therapist. And he tries to explain to him, he's like, all the stuff that you think is happening where you're like a superhero and I'm a supervillain and we're like trying to like hunt down Egyptian gods and stuff like that. Like that's all in your head. We're in a psych ward. None of that's real. Um, they had initially planned on trying to make the whole series that and they decided that that was too close to the fx series legion um Mm, yeah i could see that yeah which fair enough but i don't know for me it's like that was probably the most like captivating part of it for me was like when they got into the mental institution and stuff and like i don't know that it would have sustained a six episode series to like keep going back and forth is this real isn't it like of course it's real Mm -hmm. um (laughs) but uh i did i did still enjoy those parts a lot and i am curious like if that's what got them the most excited maybe it would have been a more exciting show overall that's a good point. Yeah, no that 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 those those sequences are definitely the most exciting, and and also once they kind of really uh, doubled down on the psych ward being not real and that being the afterlife, like that, and then it got even stranger, and they were like opening doors to their history, and that was that was that got pretty heavy at times, and I thought that was really well done. Yeah, do you want to get into that part? Because that's an uh, uh, okay. So like, I feel like we're just jumping around a little bit. Um, we are, we are. <laughs> uh, so the gist of it is because again, like that synopsis really didn't say much. Was um, like I said. Stephen Grant, he's a mild-mannered guy, and to, and he thinks that he's suffering from uh, like sleepwalking or some kind of sleep disorder. In reality, he is one of two personalities sharing the same body, the other being Mark Spector, who is actually a mercenary. And he, on top of being a mercenary, is also the avatar for the Egyptian god Khonshu, who uh, gives him the powers to become Moon Knight, who is a superhero that has kind of vaguely defined powers. Like, I think, like, randomly by episode five, he can fly, which was never established. Uh, he, like, makes that, he makes his cape into, like, a moon shape and glides. Exactly, yeah. So, like, he's basically, <laughs> like, a bulletproof Batman for the most part. Um, he he has, like, these uh, crescent moon-type blades in his chest that he can pull out, and they seem to just either regenerate or boomerang back to him pretty frequently because, like, he never yeah. runs out. And uh, <laughs> I mean, he's got powers, right? What was that? He's got God powers. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. So again, <laughs> but like that, it's vaguely defined God powers. You know what I mean? It's, right, it's not yeah. like some of these other Marvel superheroes where it's like a more or less a specific skill set that they're tapping into. Um, mm. So, yeah, like that's that's more or less the show is like we're watching these two guys in the same body, like fighting for control of it. And on top of that, they have the powers of a superhero. So it, it, it a lot of zaniness ensues and there's a cool cast of characters around them. Right. Um, but yeah, like 
Okay, so I guess my question for you is, um, what do you think of like the Disney Plus experiment? Like, do you think overall like it's uh, successful or worth pursuing further? Because I know we've got Miss Marvel coming out next week as of this recording, uh, or this week actually. Wow, um, I think so. Yeah, this week. Yeah, this week, and then um, they've still got like the Secret Wars and a few other series that are still like coming out this year alone. On top of the movies that are coming out, what what do you do? You think it's helping? with with what they're what they're very amb- with marvel's ambitious plans or do you think it's just like the kind of thing that's like more and more people are tapping out i don't know uh i think that i do think more and more people are tapping out i think that the numbers are showing that less people are watching each one right yeah overall yeah um which is maybe to be expected i mean it's a lot more to ask people to watch multiple like six to eight episode series versus a movie, you know, so that's, it's, it's, it's more of a commitment, but I mean, the thing with the series is like, I I wonder if there's less of a, like a financial commitment there too. Like maybe it's easier to like cater that to more like hardcore fans. I don't, I don't know. So like, I think that there's like promise there. Um, I have to wonder if maybe the release schedule might be too, uh, packed like they're they're doing them because i keep i keep forgetting like oh my god there's one coming up like next week like i forget that a lot whereas i used to being like a fan of the mcu i used to always like know the dates when the movies were coming out i, I mean that could be a circumstance in my own life but i'm like i don't know when things are coming out anymore no i'm I just think, hearing it on you know i think you're right no there used to be i mean there's probably a better word for this but there used to be a sense of urgency with marvel movies you know yeah uh and and anticipation built with it you know like i think about just pre-end game with all of those movies it was so much like we were just like we'd leave a movie and especially once they really figured out how to build one movie onto another like i was pumped for ant-man and wasp when i could not care less about the original ant-man only because of what it meant to the overall endgame saga and how it came out between infinity war and endgame and what other details it could inform into it and like for me i distinctly remember at that time just being like wow they really figured this out in a way that's like, I know people always say like, oh yeah, the Marvel movies are really just like the world's most big budget like TV show. But then you actually get big budget TV shows and it seems to be kind of going off the rails. Um, I, I think like the biggest example, and I know you haven't seen it yet and I won't spoil it because it's not that new or it's not that old of a movie yet, but uh, Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness really springboards off of WandaVision in a lot of ways. And it's fascinating to me that you don't necessarily need to have seen WandaVision to appreciate what the movie's doing. And in a weird way, like, I feel like you should just because it's uh, like, if these, if these shows and movies are working in concert with each other, like there should, they should, uh, they should be like building each other up. They should be lifting each other up, but to be able to just go into Dr. Strange too, which pulls so much from that series. And you could more or less just like in one or two sentences, like catch someone up and they don't necessarily need that info to get to where the movie wants you to be is is a problem fundamentally for me and it makes me feel like the movies and shows are still kind of like pushing against each other more than they are working together you know Mm, yeah spent seven years as agents of shield fan right (laughs) exactly i think that we saw the first round of this with like the inhuman shows the netflix shows the uh whatever they did over on like uh freeform or whatever 
Um, <laughs> you know, like there are all these other series that they tried to like kind of just be like, yeah, these just exist in the world and they don't do anything for the movies. And I think that that was at least as of now more successful than what they are doing, where it's like they're trying to dovetail these stories and it's just not clicking, mostly because, like we said, people are <laughs> very worn out even at the prospect of like, okay, watch this like six to ten hours of television and then go watch this movie and then do it again uh, ad nauseum for a year. <laughs> yeah. And, and and to your point, like, like, like there's definitely value to watching, I think, something like WandaVision on, uh, for its own sake. It's it, I think it's really well done and pretty good. But like something like Falcon and Winter Soldier, uh, which led to the announcement of the new Captain America movie starring, you know, the Sam Wilson cap. Uh, it it feels like it's probably just going to be an extended prologue to that movie. You know, like it's not going to mean no that much. There's no way you know? they're going to expect people to watch Falcon and Winter Soldier before Captain America yeah. before and nor should they. It was not. And I'm sorry. Like, I get it. There were a lot of factors that went into it, but it was not a good execution of that show. A lot of really cool yeah. ideas that uh, got fumbled for one reason or another. And by the end of it, you kind of just go like, did I need to see it? And I think me and you've talked about it a bunch over text. Mm-hmm. But like that is like one of the most like disappointing of the Disney Plus shows. And I mean, I guess like when I talk about this like TV experiment they're doing with Disney plus, like so far for my money, the only one of these that absolutely needed to be a TV series was WandaVision just because of what they were tackling. You know what I mean? Yeah, And the format of it. Yeah, exactly. Like that was the only one that was like so distinctly like tied into just the history of television, what television can mean to a person, especially like uh, Elizabeth Olsen is like our age. She's like in her thirties and stuff. So like that character, uh, uh, Wanda Maximoff's character is like our age. And so like, a a whole generation that more or less grew up, like being informed about the world through television, that all of it was baked into the concept. And they had everything from like the music to the directing, just like really hitting that home in a way that, you know, like I think about something like Loki that could have been a movie, dude. Like I I think it definitely could have been. Yeah. All of these, like, like I said, Moon Knight could have been a movie. Falcon and the Winter Soldier should have been a movie. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's basically like a cool, like crazy spy thriller at the end of the day, just like uh, Winter Soldier was. And I cannot in a million years fathom them turning Winter Soldier into a series. That would have been a disappointment too, I think. Yeah. No, I'm yeah. No, I feel I feel yeah. 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 I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I like that the the series are were a a better opportunity to kind of get some of these like some different characters a chance to have series. Like now we're getting to like the Moon Knight, the Miss Marvels, the She Hulks, those things. Like I think that's gonna be fun to see them get their shot. Um, like I know we're getting obscure movie characters, but there's the movie slates are still pretty full filled up. And so like seeing these characters get this opportunities, I think that's going to be fun to see. Um, but yeah, it still remains to be seen like how, how they're, how it's going to be ultimately. I think for me, the biggest issue is that with every other phase of the, um, Avengers world, the MCU, um, they were always leading up to something in a way that was, more or less clear. You know what I mean? Like, even if you didn't necessarily know how like certain pieces were going to fit, like you knew why they were introducing uh, Captain Marvel. You, after a while, you knew why they were introducing Ant-Man and all this stuff. And like now it's just like, there's so many different origins that they're trying to like cover in one phase that it's like, it's, I don't know how all these like uh, disconnected pieces will eventually come together to make something as exciting you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, like I think about like they're still got a Blade movie coming out. They did the <laughs> they did the Eternals. They did Shang Chi. They did um, 
what else am I like, am I missing anything? Like, I feel like I'm missing like other like origins that are still coming. Like miss. Yeah. They've got miss Marvel coming. Um, Mm -hmm. and I just, it's, it's so much, you know, and I hate to be like the kid that's like sitting there with like, um, like a dessert platter in front of him and being like, this is too much. Like, I feel like I'm looking a gift horse in the mouth, but like, I also just worry that like, we're not giving, uh, these characters enough breath on their own before we eventually try to just like put them in a box together. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Like a bubble that's about to burst. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. Like I'm, I've been surprised before and I welcome it again, you know, like, please surprise me, please make this somehow just the most cohesive thing. And I'm just like being short-sighted about it. But like as someone who watches more of these than the average viewer, I am cautious, cautiously optimistic. Yeah, I think I feel yeah with that. Like it, it, it does feel a little bit overwhelming to like. Re- I mean, for me, I, like now I have very little time to do anything, and so like thinking about like, oh, I want to keep up with the universe. Like it's, it feels some. It, when it starts to feel daunting, I'm like, I don't know if that's a good thing, you know. I just want it to be like where it was with the original phases, where like even if some of the movies were like lesser than the sum of their parts, you still like watch if like you know how we used to just like before a new movie came out, like when there wasn't so many of them, we'd watch a bunch of them in a row or something and just see yeah. the building blocks and stuff. I don't know that we can do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know what There's I mean? Yeah, it's not a building block anymore. It's like the world's most like just convoluted Jenga pieces and like you can't really even say like where to start one and where to like end the other and i don't know i mean you know what like i think that it all just goes back to what i've been saying which is that i hope that they have a clear vision and it's going to all start to just like focus in on like a clear objective that even if every movie or show isn't about that like it's clear to see how they'll come into play together Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. But we're not here to talk about the MCU and as a, as a whole, we're here to talk <laughs> which about, which we kind of did, <laughs> which we kind of did. I always wanted to though. Like I, this is the first like Marvel property we've talked about. And I've always been like, just interested to get our thoughts on that on, on tape. So um, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad we talked about it. Uh, but yeah, we're here to talk about Moon Knight specifically. So what was, what, let me ask you, what was your favorite like part of the show? If it's a character or if it's like, just like, a whole like storyline what 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 do you what really grabbed you because you're saying this was your favorite and i'm interested to see why uh yeah uh that's a good question i think that um i don't know i think like just uh like it it felt like a new corner of like supernatural you know like i got i get really excited with these marvel movies and shows when they kind of they open up like a new corner of the world in a sense if you know what i mean like i feel like guardians was super excited for me because it opened up the cosmic world you know it's it, it, it introduces to that um or uh like dr strange was like okay now it's bringing magic into it um thor was like the norse gods but this I, this feels like it hope, opens a whole new corner of like the egyptian gods the egyptian mythology like i was really excited to see a lot of that brought into it and like the way uh that like a lot of the gods were brought to life like i really liked the the visual design of Khonshu. i thought that was really cool i loved f murray abraham the voice there was just re- like a, a cool take on it where he's just kind of uh, I mean, he's like an imposing figure, but he's not like what you think, how you think like a God would talk necessarily. Very antagonistic. Um, I liked that. Very antagonistic. I liked that a lot. And so I really enjoyed a lot of that. I liked, um, 
I liked a lot of the things that the that the the show kind of tried to do. Um, I was reading to that um, behind the scenes and in front of the camera, there was uh, a, just a whole ton of like local Egyptian talent that was present. So it was like uh, I'm like a mission for authenticity led by the director, one of the directors and executive producer, which is uh, Mohammed Diab, uh, who happens to be apparently Marvel's first Arab filmmaker. So I thought that was cool. He said 90% of the roles were Egyptian roles when it came to extras, especially. Um, and uh, he wanted to like show Cairo and show Egypt in less of like a stereotypical light. And so I, I like, I, I thought that it was all kind of cool stuff to like think about when I was watching the show, especially, uh, and we didn't even touch on this, but the Layla character I thought was a, was a really uh, a fun addition to the show, especially at the end, which I guess we're going to, we were spoiling the show. We've already spoiled, which she, uh, she also ends up becoming an avatar for one of the gods and becomes the, uh, the Scarlet Scarab character, which is a hero, an Egyptian hero. And, like the first true like Egyptian hero. And I thought that was really cool. There was like a kid in one of the episodes, like, are you an Egyptian superhero? And I thought that was, that a, really was cool a mouthful. Um, <laughs> yeah. That I, I really wanted to appreciate it, but it really, it falls in the same vein as like when all of the girl uh, Avengers. Oh yeah. I see what you're strike saying. Yeah. A pose. Uh, it's just like, yeah. this feels a little more ham fisted than you wanted it to be. Um, I like this better than the girl one though. I think, I think like, cause it was such a small moment, you know, I think they could have saved it by simply just taking out Egyptian and just like in like the like native Egyptian language just been like, are you a superhero? I think that would have been, that would have been cool. I like that better. That yeah. Would have I been like, way but way more. I, I also don't, I also don't feel like it's that weird though, because we're in a world where it's like, there's a ton of superheroes. And so, so like when you see a battle, like, Oh, are you an Egyptian superhero? Cool. Like I, I could see that happening. Yeah, I guess. I Yeah. It just feels like so like so studio noty to me and I don't know. It probably was, yeah. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe I'm being a pessimist and like the creatives really just wanted to like hit home like are you an Egyptian superhero? And I just I'm yeah. just I'm Monday I'm Monday night quarterbacking this in a way that I understand that in the moment like decisions are made for like good reason. Uh right. and this is just me being nitpicky, but that part stood out for me. Anyway, but I liked her character and I liked her outfit quite a bit too. Yeah, no, her outfit's great. Uh, I she I love that she's like like we already have Falcon, you know what I mean? And yeah. it's so easy to just like write off her character as like uh like uh you know the 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 junior varsity Falcon, but mm-hmm. she comes in hard and strong and. I hope that they do a little bit more for her power set if and when we do see her again to kind of distinguish her from Falcon. I think it wouldn't mm. be that hard just because like for one hers is like a magical based power and his is techno- technologically based. But out- even outside of that, like I think that she did a lot to like own that whole vibe in a way that was Absolutely. like really engaging and exciting to see and didn't feel like a rehash. Yeah, so she's the uh, so she becomes the avatar of the the Tauret 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 Tauret. Yeah, I think it's Tauret Tauret. Yeah, character uh, that that god, which um, is uh, kind of like a hippo god, and I kind of that kind of brings me to what I wanted to talk about a little bit. That another piece that I really enjoyed of the show was uh, kind of a de- depiction of the afterlife. That they, that we got to see, so so Mark and Stephen are are killed in a sense. We were talking about that earlier, and that's what brings them to the psych ward. And ultimately, they're on this like, um, uh, where are they? In like the the barge, this like this. Uh, they're like on a boat. 
that's a boat like, that takes yeah. them to the it's like the Egyptian afterlife, the realm of the dead, known as uh, Duat. That's what it was called, where their hearts are weighed against a feather to judge uh, whether or not they can get they can get access to the field of reeds, um, which is like a sort of based in Egyptian mythology. And so we we meet uh, Tawaret there, and she's like this hippo goddess who's like this really bubbly kind of personality. And I really enjoyed uh, the um, the depiction of that character who. Uh, was that she was played by uh, a woman named Antonia Salib, who apparently is her first credited role. And she did both voice and the motion capture for oh, uh, wow. for the character as well. So she wore a costume and actually some of the some of the actual clothing. So th- something I was I was going to talk about when we get to the visual effects of like the they actually built the uh, the actual costumes that all the gods were wearing that people wore on set so they could kind of like mirror that when they put the, the CGI in later on. I'm assuming they didn't have F. Murray Abraham. In like a, uh, a bird nope. mask. <laughs> uh, no, I saw images. Definitely not Ephraim Abraham. Okay. Probably came in like randomly later on. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> but but I, yeah. But anyway, I like. I really liked that character. Uh, I thought she was cool, and I really liked what we learned about the afterlife because there there was a, some there was a line where she says something. And there's many intersectional planes of untethered consciousness exist, meaning there are like all countless afterlives because we've seen different ones in the MCU already. And she even shouts out the ancestral plane. Yeah. I I clocked that. That was awesome. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. Like I really liked uh, this sort of like confirmation that like there isn't one afterlife that they're just like based on so many different like planes of existence. There's all these different like kind of like collective consciousness based uh, like planes where your soul will go. You know, I thought that was a really cool idea. Sorry, I just got really distracted. Two kids just like came on our driveway and took uh, an old office chair we put outside. Well, that's good, right? No, yeah, no, I don't mind. I was just oh. like <laughs> very much just like... A, a, it, what's happening? Yeah, what's going on there? <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, no, I, I love that they uh, basically kind of sidestepped the whole like, okay, so if if this is the real heaven, like what does that mean for other people? And it's like, no, like consciousness is its own like dimension in the MCU, which I think is the smartest move. Uh, it allows them to uh, keep like exploring uh, characters that deal with that regularly, especially when we get more into like magical uh, thinking in these, in these shows and movies. And I, I agree. Like, I think that making it this like subjective thing of like, kind of like what you believed in or what you subscribe to is going to like lead to your afterlife. I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that quite a bit. Yeah, um, and that was and that was some of the the weirdest parts that we saw too. And I so I just I, I really enjoyed those episodes that were kind of like exploring that element. Yeah. No. I, yeah. yeah. So. Um, okay. So I guess my favorite thing is probably the uh, the performance from Oscar Isaac. Uh, I can, yeah, it, yeah, it's a for sure. I can see why he was attracted to this project, especially like after his last superhero outing was uh, X Men Apocalypse. Um, <laughs> <laughs> did you ever? You, I think we talked about this, but like his whole thing on that was like he in interviews he was like, yeah, I was so excited to like work on this movie with like Jennifer Lawrence and uh, and James McAvoy and all these like great young actors that like are doing awesome things. And I was excited just even if it's a superhero movie, I was excited to be in there with them. And then I get there and it's like, I have to spend like six to eight hours a day in makeup and I don't see anybody until I get on set. The suit is so uncomfortable. They have to come up with like air conditioning mechanisms for me. I can't make any facial expressions. And I'm just like, that sounds so like, <laughs> I, I, 
I'm a big superhero movie guy. Like I like them and I get what people say about like what it may be doing to the industry or like what it might be doing to like the theater going experience. But all that aside, like I just I feel bummed that like a really good actor wasn't able to like show his like skills just because of something so practically hindering. <laughs> yeah. So it was nice that he was able to like come back into the superhero world and especially in something as well managed as the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And uh, they gave him something really meaty because like definitely in the MCU, it's so much more like the the superheroes are so much more character driven than like a lot of the other superhero movies that come out where it's sometimes it's like very much just like spectacle driven. And that's fine if you can do that well. But when you want something like this, where it's like such a just like complex character of like, not only are you playing multiple people inhabiting the same body, but then it's like, just like the, uh, the, the existential uh, crisis of it all of like, what you have to be willing to do when like half of you is a mercenary, you know what I mean? Like there's blood, there's actual blood on your hands and you have to like contend with that. And then when they get into that same episode you're talking about, when we start to see the afterlife and everything um, and you get the backstory of uh, why Mark Spector like fractured his consciousness to begin with and like how heartbreaking that was. I mean, what did you think of that? Like, let's get into that because that was so for me, I was taken aback by like how far they pushed it. Like I still, they obviously didn't like go the furthest they could with it because it is still a Marvel property and they don't want to traumatize people. But, right. but they, but I don't know. Like, I think they're, they're, they're getting a little like riskier with it. They're getting a little bit like more risque in general with, with some of the subject matter, as far as like what they're willing to broach. And I think mm-hmm. this is a good example of it. Cause, um, just to get into it, uh, we find out that when Mark was younger, uh, he had a little brother who uh, unfortunately died when they were like going on like a little adventure back in the caves near their home. And his mom just never stopped blaming him for it and to the point where she's like both verbally and physically abusive with him. And the only way he could like get around that is like he literally like his psyche broke and he created Steven based off of a character. That's like a kind of a dorkier Indiana Jones. Um, and Steve, and that's how Steven Grant was created. And Steven didn't know any of this. Like there's this heartbreaking thing in retrospect in the pilot when like you're, you're watching him like kind of go about his day and just being like a bumbling dork or whatever. And you see, he's on the phone with his mom, but you never hear the other side of the call with his mom. And then later on you find out that she wasn't cause she's de- She died. She's not there. Like he doesn't have a relationship with his mom. And Steven is literally just like fabricating all this. And it's like that to me really hit like a ton of bricks. Yeah, it was it was heartbreaking. It was super well done, though. I really appreciated how how we saw it. Um, and and you're right. That was like the scenes where we we see like Steven and Mark kind of witnessing those flashbacks in, in their afterlife. Like they actually had to kind of watch and like relive it in that sense. Um were, were some of the greatest showcases for Oscar Isaac, I think. Yeah. And it's like, you see that and you see something like that and you go, of course they had to get Oscar Isaac for something like this. You needed an actor that could like cut through all of the like antics and like the MCU self-awareness of like the, that jokey humor of like, Oh, I'm going to feel that in the morning. And you needed to get to like a place of like, Oh, this is like a person that is internalizing a lot of guilt, a lot of baggage. And he is trying to hide that from the person that helps him the most with it. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. It was, it was well done. I think that, uh, it kind of brings us to talking about the, the, the like depiction the show has of, of mental health. And I think, uh, I did some research on this. And so like dissociative identity disorder being a big part of Moon Knight's story, uh, apparently the producers were pretty sensitive about trying to ensure like a proper portrayal of mental health. And they had an, uh, they hired a board certified psychiatrist who was, I think named Dr. Powell Puri to work with actors and directors. And I got an article that I'm, I'm pulling from, which I'll add in the show notes as well. But there is also within that, there is an interview with uh, another professor of general psychology at a college who talked about DID is like a spectrum disorder. And so like it's, there's a lot of different uh, ways that it's manifested in people. And so the way that it's shown in, in, in the show is definitely a more extreme view of it but it's definitely within the realm of possibility um like some of the things we see like the amnesia recurring amnesia the switching between the two altars like uh that that is all like something that pe- people did will experience um one of the things that uh this uh, psychiatrist talks about is the scene where like mark and steven talk he says something like oh here's the quote i survived because i knew i wasn't alone you were always there alive and full of hope you were the only real superpower i ever had and so the psychiatrist was talking about how powerful that scene is where it's like taking the concept of like a like a like a mental health issue or what people would see as like a mental health disability and 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 like saying like that was the real super superpower that like kind of kept him going and like really motivated him as a person and like kept him alive and said that was a really powerful thing for people uh with did to to see and maybe to like actually just depict of something like that and so i thought that was pretty cool and the last thing i read in the article that i thought was interesting was the psychiatrist said the way that the splitting of between the altars the alter egos was done quite well um but the one thing it didn't really highlight as much as the amnesia and towards the end when they kind of like just would would switch seamlessly between each other and like communicate between each other he's like that's when it started to get in the realm of more fantasy because that really doesn't happen yeah i mean that's that's the thing and it's tough with like uh depicting mental illness on screen because you're already just walking like such a fine line you know um especially in this society um tragic news stories from like this week and last week notwithstanding that there is a tendency in uh in at least america to like scapegoat mental illness as like the catch-all for like why oh absolutely why like terrible things can happen and i'm always wary when it's introduced in a storyline because it can always add to that like myth um I, i think like I think back to like the early 2000s and stuff like that, where like there were so many, like I think it was like post fight club where like the twist was always like the person schizophrenic. And Mm -hmm. there's this idea of like, just like uh, a person who admits to having any kind of mental illness is automatically like giving up like any kind of agency. And they are suddenly like just saddled with like being capable of like anything, no matter how bad, because they, don't uh, necessarily have any like control over themselves. And so uh, I was wary about that even going into this show, especially like it was cool to see the depiction, but the whole idea of like he blacks out, he wakes up and it's just like a bunch of like brutalized bodies next to him. Like that's Mm -hmm. ammo for like the wrong type of person to like 
try and like build a narrative around the that like that dangerous idea of like mental illness automatically means you're a bad person um oh yeah i can see what you're saying yeah yeah so i I do give them points though as the show went on like they did a good job of kind of like elaborating on that and um and again like if you're the kind of person that's like looking to like a marvel show to try and inform like your everyday real life um and anything that goes on in it then you're already kind of off on a bad note so i don't want to put like too much pressure on these like creatives to like always consider that but it's also like if you're going to use a real issue um tread carefully because that yeah. that's a hot button issue for everybody now. Um, I, I think I've forgotten what I was trying to say ultimately with this point, <laughs> uh, other than just like, uh, I think overall they did a good job with, with tackling this subject in, a, in, a, in entertainment. Agreed. I think that's, I think that's definitely true. I think that's something uh, we can say about it for sure. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, it's a good time to segue into the monsters in question, which I don't necessarily say, I, I don't think monster is necessarily the appropriate word for what we have here, but we have like the Egyptian gods and their depiction in terms of like, it's creature design for sure. I'd say it's creature design for sure. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. non-human. Yeah. So the main ones we see, we see Kanchu quite a bit, who we've mentioned is is voiced by F. Mary Abraham. Um, Kanchu is a member of the Aeneid, the gods of Egypt, who, uh, um, according to uh, Marvel, they are not aliens. They are elder gods. Um, he does appear in all white with a large bird skull for a head. He's the god of the moon or god of vengeance, shepherd of the lost. Um and uh, he has like his avatar, the lone warrior called Moon Knight. We also talked a little bit about Ta- Tauret, uh, the great one depicted uh, by scholars in ancient Egypt as being the protective goddess of mother and child during pregnancy and childbirth. So it was actually not necessarily, I don't think, true to myth that she's the gar- guardian of the afterlife. I think they just kind of chose they chose her. Um for that role in in the in the in the show for this for the marvel mythology i guess they could play around with it a little bit but uh for some reason i depicted- thought it was like her relationship to uh layla's dad but i don't know oh that could be maybe that was maybe it's more like specific to character yeah um but yeah she she's depicted as like a as a hippo as a hippo goddess so she, that was pretty cool and then we also have amit who uh, uh ethan hawk's character is trying to free the whole time and we see at the end who is voiced by uh saba mubarak who's a jordanian actress and so she was um infamous for judging and punishing people before they could even commit any evil and she appears as like an anthropomorphized crocodile with uh with actually a really cool uh like hair which she can kind of use almost like a tail also along with her tail um but she yeah she's a she's kind of like the big bad at the very end that Kanchu ends up having to fight and they kind of become giant kaiju and fighting in the background of Kai, uh, behind Cairo, which is a really cool sequence, I think overall, but those are kind of the three main ones we see. We also see like kind of monstrous jackals here and there. There's a really cool fight scene. I think in episode two between, uh, Moon Knight, who and one of the no, it's Alter Alter Moon Knight, uh, Mister Knight, the one in the suit. <laughs> I did like Jackal. that. I did that was like super that. fun. Yeah, yeah, whenever it was uh, Stephen who was trying to activate Moon Knight, yeah. it was like this guy in a dapper suit versus <laughs> like the uh, Mark Spector Moon Knight, who's like a mummy assassin. Yeah, that was that was great. So yeah, we had those jackals were there here and there, but they're just kind of like monsters that would come after them occasionally. But uh, did you have a favorite of the gods? I know we got a lot with Kanchu, but did you have one you liked the most? Oh, it's got to be Tauret. 
Yeah, how she's I was, so great. I, I think what I loved about it was like, especially like when we first see her and like the door opens and they see like uh, it's uh, it's in Mark slash Steven's mind. So like they're both there and they see Tawadet and like you see it's just like this huge <laughs> hippo goddess and uh, all of a sudden you just hear hi and it's just like this like high pitch like uh, Kristen Shaw-esque of like voice that you could not have been anticipating. I don't know what like I thought I was going to hear but it wasn't that and it was just so <laughs> delightful and I loved it and uh, yeah like everything about her was so great and it was just nice to have like one of these gods that wasn't a dick you know right yeah no, she's great I, <laughs> uh, I, I'm with you on that yeah she's super fun it's very true to history though in the sense that like you know like you hear about the Greek gods and stuff like that and like most of them are just like insufferable and like unrelatable and then like you get like someone like Tawadet coming in and it's just like okay so some of you guys were cool some of you could hang yeah 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 some can hang <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah no definitely my favorite um that's why like i mean even if like for whatever reason they can't get uh oscar isaac back i really hope that they get the actress to play layla back because mm-hmm. um i think her and Tawadet have like so much more story to tell uh i think that she deserves a story independent of the mark drama because it's so it's such a like eclipsing story that everything else around it kind of just takes a backseat a lot of the time. And I think that they've done enough of a good job with like introducing her that I want to see more. It's, it's basically the princess Leia syndrome of like, well, this is a very interesting and super capable character that unfortunately has to just be there for the protagonist. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I'd love to see that. I think I, I, from what I've heard, I don't. I think Oscar Isaac is done. I'm, but I, I don't. He could be saying that too. So I, I think it, it is ripe to see that character continue on more. Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah, and I, yeah, I, there, it's super easy to have her just go out and do her own thing, you know, just based yeah. on like what her skill set and what she already knows in and of it, or like independent of him. For sure. For sure. Um, so one thing that I thought was interesting, so I think, I think that the designs of the, of the gods were really cool. The three that we saw, like there was a lot of detail and work that was putting into how they look. I think, um, there was a lot of shots of Kanchu that I really, really enjoyed specifically. Uh, I think in the finale, there is one of him just kind of silhouetted against the, like the, the sunrise in Egypt and the desert. I thought that looked really cool. They did a I good think, job with like really making like the location uh a part of the effect of it all. For sure. I really liked the the uh early scenes with Kanchu where he's kind of like a more like scary character at first where he's like sneaking up on Steven. He doesn't know what's going on and like those were really creepy and effective. I also really loved the visual of um Steven and Kanchu like turning back the night sky. I thought that was a cool sequence. I thought it was um, cool too silly, until but, someone online pointed pointed out there's literally like an app you can just pull up to like figure out what yeah. the stars were like that night oh absolutely it's super silly but it looked really cool <laughs> and i yeah. mean in country's defense he's not going to know about apps so steven should know steven should know but he's <laughs> he's also understandably very overwhelmed by it all true 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 yeah, yeah. but yeah those those are those are great but uh one thing that i i had been reading as the show is going on is i feel like there were a lot of people online who were very critical of the show's like visual effects and cgi um and the way that things looked and i think that part of that is a like um a consequence that this is this is a tv disney plus thing versus like big budget movies um but i wanted to cite an article that um friend of the podcast ryan mintz sent to me 
that maybe you've seen Khalid. It's a defector is the website. And it says it's an anonymous TV writer offers an inside look at why special effects seem so bad right now. Did you read this yet? I think I might have skimmed it, but go ahead. I'll see if it drags my memory. So the writer talks about um, working on effects like years ago versus now and and how like effects shot weren't as in high of a demand uh, a long time ago or we're in like tv specifically but but the like the just the the sheer number of demand the sheer amount of demand for effect shots and like just lots and lots of cgi is is spreading a lot of these people so thin so we're seeing like um we're just not seeing the the level of of attention to detail and care that can go into every single cgi shot that people are people have kind of like gotten used to from the movies i'd say so like it's just like it's just a a factor of being spread thin i think and and so um and the and the money that like netflix and disney is putting on these shows you're seeing like oh there's so much money being spent per episode but it's true a lot of that is going to like oscar isaac for example f mary abraham like massive stars that you're bringing to tv for this so like not all of that like the amount of money that's actually going to special effects is not really increased based on that budget is what we're learning and so it's it's the effects like are noticeably uh arguably less i guess objectively good than you would expect but i think that it's a bit of a disingenuous thing for people to be like oh the cgi was so crappy because you're still dismissing like the work that goes into it and you're also dismissing like like there's a difference between like the the artistry of like the design like i just talked about the design of the creatures was really great the design is different from the rendering right you know like the way it's actually animated is different from like who designed it to begin with so there's different steps in that whole process and i think by just like people being like the cgi sucked you're kind of missing the mark on like i think what what i thought was cool about the creature effects if if you know if that makes any sense no yeah i agree with you and i think that at least in some of the uh, like criticisms they they're coming from a place of bad faith and, I think so too. You know, uh, it's it's people that are kind of already just have a, a, a grudge against the Marvel complex as it is now, and you know yeah. that's that's fair. Again, like I said earlier, like there's something to be said about what the MCU has done to the like movie theater landscape as we know it. Um, I don't know that the blame lands entirely at their feet, but there are people that are going to just latch on to like any kind of criticism as valid or invalid as it may seem to us. Um, so yeah, I get, I, I can see what they're saying and sense that like some of the effects are shaky, but I'm so just reluctant to like sandbag a bunch of, uh, overworked VFX artists. Uh, right. you know, it just, I feel like they're doing the most they can with what they have. And there are just always going to be these limitations short of like, a James Cameron level budget um, and, and stuff like that still takes like a crazy amount of time. And uh, I know that like, um, I, I can't remember where I read this either, but like, I know that a lot of the previs or visualizations for Marvel movies happen way before they even bring on a creative team to lead it. Mm-hmm. Like, it'll just be like a room of like visual artists or whoever. And uh, Fe- uh, Paul Feige or Kevin Feige, uh, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, not the, not the creator of, uh, bridesmaids, uh, Kevin Feige. Um, and they'll basically like, think of like cool action set pieces. I think the biggest one that uh, I know of was, uh, black widow, like way before they brought on any creatives, the action set pieces were already in previs and like being made. So like as a creative, you had to write around that. So, interesting. so there's a lot of levels to it. And, uh, in a, in a machine like this, like there's just so many different parts that you have to try and take into consideration. And so, um, yeah, could it have been better? Sure. Was I disappointed? No, is, is my answer to that. 
there's a there's kind of some cool like behind the scenes videos that are on YouTube that you can find. I'm sure they're on Disney Plus too. But I watched one. Uh, it was called "Why Conchu Looks Unlike Other Gods," and it's about uh, it's interviews uh, head of visual uh, department head of visual development for Marvel Studios. Um, whose name is Ryan Minerding, and then uh, the visual development supervisor for, Mar- for Moon Knight, his name was Rodney Fuentebella. And so it was kind of cool to hear their perspectives on like the, the, the renderings and the CGI and how that all came together. And they talked about how they actually, like I think I mentioned earlier, the, how they had people wearing the actual costumes, right? Um, to kind of stand in mm-hmm. for the for the gods and stuff mm-hmm. um, like they they kind of talked about that final battle that the first one that took place just within like the temple before they got giant they had people wearing those costumes and kind of doing a lot of those movements that and ultimately became like the cgi that we saw because they wanted to try to figure out before they like made the cgi what how like how the lighting would look and how like the how they how they would interact with the the physical surroundings so i thought that was kind of cool because i know that can be kind of a trap sometimes when you have like all this film the, the film already done and you have to like make the cgi work within what's already been made so i think they kind of did that the opposite way and i thought that was kind of cool to hear yeah no definitely um i and for me at least like i'm like i i like it when it's like the mandalorian or loki and like they're definitely using that i can't remember what it's called now there's like a name for the location they use but like they've been doing this thing uh in recent years where like in lieu of like you know trying to like make a green screen stage look like an alien planet or whatever they've been putting them in uh actors in front of like these like lcd screens like really high definition screens that can like uh work in place of fantastic locations and i i was so glad that they they sidestepped that for what seems like the most part to actually shoot on location and like film in uh in egypt specifically in egypt proper to really give the effect of like this i feel like i'm in it here yeah no i I like that yeah so i think there there seems to be a lot of a lot of care that went into it but i'll share a link to that video as well yeah, no, I think I think they were good. I th- I liked I liked it all. I like I liked the creature. Like the creature design was definitely something that being somebody who hosts a creature podcast, like I was excited about this show about for that. You know, like that was that was a that was a draw for me for sure. Yeah. Um okay. So my last thought on the whole series before we move on is um I really loved uh Oscar Isaac's accent like as a British person, as Stephen Grant. Um, <laughs> yeah. At first it was funny. Cause I was like, Oh, this is just like a bad accent. And then when you realize it's like, Oh, this is like a person who's like kind of just doing their like approximation of a British accent based off of like, what seems like a cartoonish like film series. Uh, it really worked for me. Just like the way he just kept saying like blimey and all these things. Um, it really just, it felt like a caricature of a British person. And the fact that it was like, narratively motivated was like just like the icing on top for me yeah yeah no i'm with you on that (laughs) it's so bad and it's still it's so bad but so great exactly and it was just especially like just like watching him just like do like his like he's such a good like facial expressionist as an actor oscar isaac and like just watching him just like wide-eyed running from danger and saying a bunch of like cheesy corny british like catchphrases was (laughs) just chef's kiss so good yeah um, Khalid, if I could rewind just like a little bit to what you were saying before, you said, um, and then and, and latch onto that word icing. Uh, I've heard that, um, that bears tend to like icing. I did not know where you're going with that. And I should have, <laughs> you absolutely should have. <laughs> That's on me folks. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> 
Is there a world in which Moon Knight passes the Four Bears test? Um, yes, the jackals. Oh, really? Oh, yep, 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 yep. I'll give. They don't. Well, they're invisible, but okay. But like, okay, assuming that even if you could see the bears, if it's just like Stephen Grant not knowing what the hell is going on and someone sick four bears on him, um, I think he's screwed. Uh, I think, I think that. Uh, the story still more or less works if you're just like sending four bears against like this like unwitting dude and then uh, I think that they would still give the same amount of problems to Moon Knight once he's like full proper in the suit when Mark takes over Um, so in that sense it's a pass Uh, I think when you get into like Amit and any of the other creatures or anything you're talking like it's the kaiju rule like if it's a kaiju the four bears test is an automatic fail Um, yeah, but then, yeah, obviously the invisibility thing is a problem, but that's more of a narrative problem in that, like, the only time the invisibility thing really matters is, like, when the security guard is, like, running the tape back and he just sees, like, Stephen Grant running away from nothing. Um, mm-hmm. I I don't know, like, any other time where, like, the jackals would have cared if anybody saw them or not. Like, I know that there's that whole scene where, like, he's throwing them into double-decker buses and stuff, and it looks like nothing's going on. But in that moment, I don't think they would have cared if they were seen or not. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Side point, uh, when I was learning about the visual effects for that battle with the with the j- invisible jackal that we saw, there was a stand-in, like a guy who wore like an entirely gray suit that was able to be like edited out to be like invisible or like a CGI jackal. And so they had that guy doing like the pushing and pulling on like Oscar Isaac and the characters when they were fighting and like the kind of like indents into the buses and stuff. So there was like, there was like physically someone there when they did all that. So that's kind of, it was kind of interesting to learn. Nice. Um, yeah. Okay. So uh, just to cut to the point, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a half pass, but ultimately a fail, I guess, if you want to like be a stickler to the invisibility uh, stuff. But um, I, we forgot to talk about the Jake Lockley of it all. And I feel like we should talk about that for a quick second. Good point. Yeah. Um, What did you think about how they executed it? Cause for me, I, I know that like a little bit of it was spoiled for me because like I'll like read like an article or like a review that'll like casually mention that in the comic books there is a secret third personality and it's alluded to in this story that uh, every time it was like a particularly like gruesome murder. So even that first episode when we think it was Mark doing all of that, I think in the retrospect it was all Jake, right? So might be yeah. Well, it had to be because like when we see Mark fight, he still like has like the wherewithal to not kill people if he can help it. Um, Mm -hmm. but, um, so Jake is going to be the third personality. And this is what makes me think they have to bring Oscar Isaac back because they, they waited all the way until the post credits of the final episode to even admit that he was a person. (laughs) And that just seems like a huge waste. Like he, he, he only speaks Spanish presumably. And he is, uh, the third and most violent personality of the three. And he's the one that Kanshu ends up like just recruiting full time to do his like uh, bidding as Moon Knight. Cause by the end of it, Mark, and steven uh denounce him and they're just like get uh, we don't want to do your bidding anymore um how, what did you think of of that rollout uh that's a good question i i think that you're right that that would be better explored in like a follow-up if they did bring oscar isaac back i kind of glad that we didn't have the focus like the focus was like the relationship between steven and mark ultimately i thought that was a really nice emotional core for a while and i think that the jake element would have added some weirdness to that which it will like it'd be interesting to explore 
like later on if there was more to it but i, I don't mind it i knew i also knew that was coming because i know a bit from the comics i knew the jake character and i know there's like so many other personalities in the comics that could be pulled from and pulled and like rolled out like there's a comic where he there's a series where he takes on like one of some of his identities think they're captain america and spider-man and all these different like heroes from marvel already so he tries to do all that stuff like yeah, there's just tons in the comics so like I, I but i knew that the jake mark and steven were the main ones and i was just kind of waiting for when we're going to get the reveal for jake um I, I was fine with it i just think it was so awkward at times when it's like you already know you suffer from like split personalities um especially like when they see like so like when when he dies and he goes to the room and he finds uh steven trapped in a sarcophagus and he opens it they walk past another room with another shaking sarcophagus and <laughs> just they don't even comment on it. They just see it and then keep moving. And I, that to me felt like so awkward in like a like this isn't even a breadcrumb. This is like a full on like loaf of bread that's like wafting like smell sense off of it, you know, like like cartoon smell lines off of it. And you're just going to ignore it in favor of like just keeping the story moving. And I'm at that point, I'm just like, why put it in any way other than to distract people? Um, I don't know. It just it felt like there were so many times when like these otherwise like rational characters to me, at least in a as rational as you could be in such a crazy scenario, uh, just stopped acting like people and started acting like narrative devices and like willingly ignoring something that they otherwise wouldn't, you know, like if I'm Mark and I'm blacking out and all of a sudden a bunch of people like are dead around me, I know Steven didn't do it. So, (laughs) so I'm going to have a question or two. Um, but I get it, you know, like there's already so much going on. They didn't really have the time to address it like they wanted to. And it's the Marvel thing of like, well, set up for more, um, mm-hmm. which again, like this makes me think that like they have to bring Oscar Isaac back in some form or another. Um, so I hope they do. And I hope that they uh, now that they've kind of established like Mark and Steven on the same side of things and like kind of more cohesive unit that they're going to use that to really explore like, oh, there's a psychopath inside of us on top of all of that. Um, yeah, but OK, so like I guess that leads me to my other question, like uh, assuming that we don't see another Moon Knight series, would you like Moon Knight to pop up in anything else? Like, is there something that you think he could come up in that would like be cool to see him pop up in again? I actually felt like the most connection I could see was like with the Eternals. That's interesting. Did you read the article or did you hear about the potential Eternals connection they were going to have? Well, nope, I did not. So, uh, so, uh, uh the creator, uh, D- is Diaby, is that his name? I think it's, it's Mohammed Diab. I oh, yeah, was, Mohammed. I've only read it, read it, so I don't know if it's pronounced that. Yeah, so uh, he's actually friends with Kumiel uh, Nanjiani oh. from the Eternals, who played Kingo, and he wanted to do uh, like just like a flashback to like centuries before when Kanchu had somebody else's Moon Knight, and it was going to be him and Kingo fighting something together. Um, oh, that'd be cool. They eventually scrapped it just because like he uh, it, he was saying that like just because of budgetary reasons, it was like I could either do that or I could save this money for like the finale or like something that has actually like mm. more like tied to the story i'm trying to tell versus just a cool easter egg oh, that would have been that would have been cool but I, I see that i see the reason why they would have cut that yeah yeah but i agree with you the eternals makes the most sense as far as like uh uh marvel characters that he could easily slip in with i want to say blade i think that mm. i think that yep. 
Moon Knight just popping up for a scene or two in a Blade movie would be pretty cool. Uh, even as I say it, though, I can't figure out a way they would do it that wouldn't just confuse half the audience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, because I think Moon Knight is isn't it the least viewed of all now so far? I I don't know. I don't keep track of that, so it's hard. Yeah, I, I think it might be. I just, at this point, I assume that me and you are the only ones watching these things. Um, it's true. <laughs> yeah. um, the numbers are two, three. I guess Nikki watched with me, so exactly. same TV. Well, yeah, two. so two. So it's really as far as they're <laughs> concerned, it's only two people watching it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I in for some reason I just would love to see. Well, not for some reason, for the obvious reason, I would love to see Oscar Isaac and Mahershala Ali on screen together fighting vampires. That'd be, that would be cool. That would be so cool. That'd be yeah. so like yeah. the, the supernatural elements of the two of them. I think would work well together as well. Yeah, exactly. So I think that yeah. could be fun. But I'm I'm super excited for Blade because like like I mentioned, like different corners of the universe bringing like bring that's like bringing in like this like horror horror vampire element. Like I'm excited for that. Too. Joe, what are you talking about? They already introduced that with Morbius. <laughs> yeah they did they did huh? it's a different universe technically god it's such a mess over there the sony uh, corner is such a mess yeah it's uh it's mostly best ignored unless the venom of it for fun that's about it oh yeah anyways Ugh. okay Ugh, we, can, yeah. we can we can move on on that note anytime yeah. you bring up morbius it's a good time to pivot it is. It really is. Anyway, still excited for vampires to come. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, real vampires. <laughs> Joe, he's the living vampire. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's not a thing. He's <laughs> a whole person? Like <laughs> <It's> not- <laughs> 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 Oh, Jared Leto. <laughs> yeah. Ugh, yeah. All right. Um, speaking of Jared Leto, Khalid. Yeah. Would you fight or flirt with which? Well, actually, no. Which god would you most fight, most want to fight, and which one would you most want to flirt with? I would most want to fight Khonshu. Like, I, I, my initial instinct is to say Amit, but like, and I loved what I loved what uh, Ethan Hawke did with his character for the run of this. But like, it seemed like Amit was more or less a really hands-off god. Like he's even, even when, uh, when Harrow's character is like, Hey, I know my scales aren't balanced. Like if you want to kill me, go ahead. She's like, no, I had a guy whose scales were balanced and I still ended up in prison for centuries. Like you might be doing a good job. Just keep doing your thing. I like that. That's a hands-off boss. That's like, I'm going to come in when like, it's my time to shine. But up until then do your thing. Like that's, that's a pretty agreeable relationship. What I can't stand is Conchu just like talking hot shit about steven like any chance he gets just like dunking on this poor dude who clearly has like no idea what's going on and and he's just like such an abusive dude that like of course uh ethan Hawke's character like went full dark side and was like yeah honestly this isn't working for me i i gotta go (laughs) i gotta go find somebody that just like is a little bit more my pace like Kanshu is so mean and like at times just out and out evil. And I was just like, I wish that somebody would just like jack him in the face. And so I would without hesitation fight Kanshu, even if it meant I died. Like I could not even fake flirt with him. Um, and then obviously uh, the the person I would give my entire heart and soul to is Tawadit. Uh That is a 
big ball of love. Just uh, it's a, it, it, she she takes the form of a hippo, but isn't as scary as a real hippo in that like she could kill me in like two seconds. She could because she's a god, but she won't. She's just like so just positive and wants the best for people. And like, even when she takes on Layla as her avatar, it's like a no strings, like take it when you want, take it back when you don't, you know? And I love that so much. And I would be such a devoted avatar for, for Tawadit. And I would it would like, it would go beyond flirting. It would just be like, just pure amour, you know, like I want to take her to like Paris and get her like beignets. I want to, I want to, I want to treat her like the goddess that she is. I love it. Yeah. I love it. What, yeah. what about no, no, you? That's great. No, I think I don't think I could say anything better than you did. I think that was perfect. I, uh, yeah, no, fight Conchu, mostly ignore Amit, flirt with uh, Tawadet. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. That's the way to go. That's, I, think that's, I think that's the way you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful. Cir- circling all the way back to the beginning of the segment, uh, also fight Jared Leto. <laughs> On principle, I think that's just a like. Let's just make that like the official like Frankenstein's podcast st- uh, stance. Uh, if Jared Leto is in anything we're talking about, he's an automatic fight. Yep, uh, automatic fight. Yeah, yeah. So you better hope we never, for some reason, talk about the WeWork show, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers for our Morbius episode. <laughs> oh God, would you ever do the Morbius episode? No, we just did it. That's all we're gonna do. With it. <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, this is a this is a two hander. We did we did Moon Knight <laughs> and technically Morbius. So get it while it's hot. <laughs> technically Morbius. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, that was good. Yeah, I think we should probably start wrapping it up. We're we're going long. We're, we've been going on long a lot of episodes lately. I think it's fine though. But uh, should we should we uh, should we rock our final segment? Yeah, let's do it. All right, we're going to move on to our our last segment, our uh, <clears throat> what the fandom segment, in which we uh, share uh, something that we're interested in the moment, something that may or may not have anything to do with monsters or the MCU, whatever we talked about, something we think y'all might dig. So, uh, Khalid, what the fandom with you? Uh, thanks for asking, Joe. Um, my what the fandom this week is going to be a movie I, as of now, watched like two weeks ago. Uh, it's, uh, it's on Netflix. It's called RRR or triple R, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's amazing. And it actually works really well with like our first, uh, foray into the Marvel cinematic universe because this movie is basically like a Marvel movie cranked up by a thousand. Um, and I know there are people that have like, it's, it's an Indian movie or at least, it was originally shot in Tamil, which is a different language than Hindu. Uh, the Netflix version has a Hindu dub, and uh, I know if you've seen, if you regularly watch Indian movies, this is probably not as surprising to you. But if you're like me and only kind of casually have seen movies here and there, this movie will blow you away. It is a three-hour-plus like epic tale. Uh, about these two guys, I am not going to spoil anything about it. Just to tell you that, like, it had just such balls to the wall, like insane action choreography. Um, the storyline was incredibly captivating. The performances are fantastic. Um, it it had a theatrical run in America, which is very like not 
like uncommon for uh, a, a, an Indian film. But uh, it, when you see it, you understand exactly why like this. I wish I'd seen it in theaters, but uh, take my word for it. It is just as like jaw droppingly amazing uh, on your uh, home screen on your television. Uh, do yourself a favor, check it out while it's still on Netflix. It's RRR. Um, I, I will tell anybody with working ears and eyes to go see this because this movie deserves to be seen in all its glory and speak on its own merits. It's so good. Nice. I've heard good things. What does RRR stand for? Is that a spoiler? Um, it's not a spoiler. It's like, let me look it up because like, it's technically like three parts of a story and they like call each part of it. Like something that starts with an R. I think a part of that has I think a part of that has to do with the fact that like there is an actual uh, title in its initial uh, in its uh, native Tamil. But um, with like these Indian movies, like they usually try to do acronyms for, for for global marketing so that it's like easier for people to like say like that makes sense. Go watch this movie. So like there is like an actual like narrative reason why it's called RRR. But um, I couldn't tell you offhand. Cool. All right. Well, I'm excited to check that one out. It's been on my radar for a while and it, it, and your glowing review has sold me. I cannot like when I tell you there are like so many frames of this movie that should just be painted on the side of a van, like <laughs> just such epic visuals. Cool. So good. Anyways, Joe, <clears throat> what the fandom with you? Ooh, damn. Thanks for winding up that one. Had to do it for you, buddy. Just once. Thanks. Appreciate it. Um, I'm going to go with two things today, actually. Um, my number one, I have been reading a lot of uh, novellas lately. I've been um, just with the move and the kids and everything. I haven't got a whole lot of time to sit down and read a lot of books. And novellas are kind of nice and breezy, but uh, there's a lot of good like ho- short horror stories in, in, in novella form. And one I wanted to shout out specifically is one I just finished called uh, Hammers on Bone by Cassandra Kaw. And, uh, it's, it's like a, it's like a detective noir story that's set within like a world that has like Lovecraftian elements to it. Um, and so the main character is a private investigator and, but he's also like some sort of like Lovecraftian monster underneath that, but he kind of wanted to escape that, that aspect of the universe and just kind of deal with humans, but kind of keeps getting drawn back into these plots that have like existential ramifications and like you know unearthly creatures involved in some capacity it's a short breezy read but it kind of it teeters at first on kind of like like humorous almost like really tropey detective noir stories and then but then gets goes to some pretty dark places throughout the story too so i i really enjoyed it um and cassandra cause uh is a kind of a i think a she was relatively new on the scene in 2016 with this novella and there's since been a sequel and she's written some other things, but uh, I'm excited to see, to read more from her and I really enjoyed it. So hammers on bone, uh, definitely check that out. And uh, my second one, Khalid, I'm actually going to do a music recommendation like you, cause I'm going to, I want to be cool. <laughs> um, but you're probably going to think I'm not cool based on what I'm going to say, but I think I'm going to say it. one thing you, you may not know about me, Khalid is I like a lot of things right? A whole lot of things. Sure. I I think I did know that, but go on. Yeah. One thing that most people don't know that I like is I I tend to like uh, 90s country. I, wow. That that's listeners. When I tell you, I thought I knew everything there is to know about Joe. This is new. I'm blindsided. 
Yeah. No, like we talk a lot about hip hop. We talk, I like bluegrass a lot. So those are my main go-to genres, but I have the soft spot for like nineties country every once in a while. And I've been like digging down into the musical duel, the Judds. Have you heard of them? Heard of them? You know, I haven't. Yeah. Well, they're, they're, uh, they're a mother and daughter duo from the, uh, they started in the eighties actually, but they have a lot of stuff from the nineties and, uh, it's, it's the lead vocalists, Winona Judd and her mother, Naomi Judd. And they have a lot of great bangers, some sweet jams, uh, just like old school nineties country, no pretense with it. Very fun. Uh, anyway, they just got indicted to um, the country you hall mean of inducted? fame. Inducted? I don't. I don't think they were Did brought up inducted? on charges. Yeah. Whoops. Oh, good, <laughs> good catch, Khalid. Inducted. They're indicted. Yeah, indicted. No, they're inducted. Thank you yeah. into the hall of country hall of fame recently. And the day before they were inducted, uh, Naomi passed away. So it was kind of a a bittersweet moment for them as a duo. But uh, I I've been listening to it since hearing that news, and I I've, I've enjoyed their stuff. They have some good songs. They have uh, you just go to Apple Music and type in the Judds, and uh, you can list some of their essential music. But they're 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 good good stuff. R.I.P. She I, I I had heard about her passing, so that was sad. Oh yeah yeah. There you go. Yeah. So those are my fandoms for this week. Awesome. Yeah. So you got some good stuff to check out from us, guys. Definitely give all of that a watch, read, listen. Yeah. Watch, read, listen. Awesome. Yeah. We went, we covered a lot of bases there. We did. We're, we're very cultured individuals, even with our packed schedules. <laughs> we are. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I think that's all we have for you all. D- be sure to uh, check us out on Twitter, right? Franken podcast. Uh, Follow us there. Is it Franken pod? Frank, uh, Franken podcast, which is not a Al Franken podcast. Thank you. Um, yeah. So yeah, guys, uh, listen, rate review. Uh, thank you as always for listening. I don't think we have anything queued up yet for the next episode, but we will let some ideas in the, in the, in the back pocket, but, uh, we'll let you know on the the socials swirling in the ether. Um, but yeah, until next time guys, thank you so much for listening and creep it easy.